Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in, Miller and Condon, on a Wednesday. Boy, the week's flying by. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3. On the FM dial, we appreciate you spending some of your morning here with Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, as we talk sports with you. BMW of Des Moines guest list. Looks like this today. At the bottom of the hour, we'll catch up with our friend Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Covers college football, college football Hall of Fame uh, nominees have been uh, just released this morning, so we'll do a little bit of that. Go around college football with Bill Bender. Of course, he's branching out to, to cover the NFL. He's wearing a lot of hats at the Sporting News, so we will um, pick his brain on a number of uh, topics, including maybe the NBA, which is a, had some major breaking news uh, this morning. I know it doesn't move the needle uh, in our fair city, but uh, it's the Boston Celtics, one of the storied franchises in all of sports. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Bill Bender coming up at 10.30. Cappy is here. It's Wednesday. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors David Kaplan. How about those Cubs? Craig Kimbrell continues to be one of the story. Well, the bullpen of the Cubs continues to be one of the stories in Major League Baseball. At least they got off on the right foot in this daunting month of June schedule-wise as they uh, uh, got past the Padres by a run 4-3 last night. And then Matt Postens at 11.30. Haven't caught up with him uh, for a while. Matt Postens writes for Heartland College Sports. It is, if you're a Big 12 fan, a must-daily stop on the interwebs. As far as catching up on reading, um, covers the covers football, basketball, do a nice job uh, at Heartland College Sports. Matt Postens will be here at 11.30. iHeart Corporate today is asking us... Uh, the uh, all of the shows throughout the entire country uh, to remind you that vaccines are available. Vaccines uh, to find the nearest COVID vaccine, go to vaccines.gov. Vaccines.gov. Uh, we can do this. We can do this. I did this. I'm glad that I did. I don't want to, um, as a guest in your country, uh, give you the strong, strong push. But I will share my experience with you, and it was fine. Uh, and I'm glad I did. I got them both. And as Southwest Commercial says. I am now free to move about the country. <laughs> and you have. And I have. And it was great to do so. And uh, But again, if um, if you don't, <laughs> do your thing, folks. Do mm-hmm. your thing. I am not, uh, I will give you my opinion on sports, but that's where it will end with this Canadian. All right, Mr. Canada. Yes. Your team gets going tonight. They do, and I'm pretty excited. I can only imagine. We got four NBA games. We got uh, afternoon baseball. It's a big slate in the NBA tonight. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like, they normally reserve the four games just yeah. for a Saturday or right, Sunday. Or Sunday, or right? Yeah. But Start at noon and yes. then 2.30 and then 6 o'clock and 8.30. I was a little surprised. What would you think about putting one of those early games a little earlier? Starting at 6.30, you know, Eastern, Eastern time, 5.30 our time, or even maybe mm-hmm. 6 o'clock. The overlap is tough. Even last night. As the Lakers are getting blown out, it was, all right, we're just locked in right. now. It's going to be Blazers, Nuggets, and that incredible yeah. performance out of Dame, even in da-da-da, a losing effort. Monte Morris, too. Monte Morris played really well. Also, had a few plays where layup that could have sealed it, and he didn't get that done, but ultimately yeah. got the victory. I, I just find it odd 
that they are so married to having to start these games at 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Time. It has to be that. Is it just... They know a lot more about TV. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes down to that. I think it is. I think it is. I'm with you. I mean, tonight there's just, it's, it's, uh, it's not overkill. There's no such thing. But boy, there's, there's a lot. You're going to have to help me tomorrow. Look, I'm going to be locked and loaded. As you should be. Right. That's my squad. That's my sports heartbeat. And they're in the final eight. And I won't come in tomorrow and burden anybody with a breakdown of Jets Canadians unless something crazy happens. Sure. But they've advanced for only the fourth time in franchise history. Lifetime. The next round. That's the team you root for. That is your hometown team. Yep. That is a we for you. And there's, it is my only we. Yes. I mean, I'm a Broncos fan, but this is my we. Uh, and 500 people in the building, which really surprised me. Is it going to be first responders? First responders, yeah. uh, health care, uh, and it's a lottery type of thing. And I was surprised that the Providence gave the thumbs up for that because when Winnipeg's a hot spot, man. Of really? all places. Yeah, yeah, of all places. Um, but anyways... Uh, yes, I'm excited about that. Uh, the Cubs play this afternoon, so that's not like it'll get in the way of uh, my Winnipeg Jets <laughs> viewing tonight. Boy, this Cubs team, Trent, I gotta. They're a guilty pleasure. Yeah. They're really becoming a guilty pleasure of mine. Now, I was flipping back and forth watching Buffalo's first goal of Major League Baseball with fans. Of course, they played there last year, but I watched that. Good to see that new market, kind of new market, come out and have fans in the ballpark. But this Cubs pitching staff, that bullpen, unbelievable. My biggest takeaway, so Victor Caratini, I don't know much you saw of the Cubs last night. Victor Caratini hits a home run, right? Put a big home run for the Padres. Mm-hmm. Contreras then, not one, one ups him, but it was a pretty big blast that he hits. And Contreras turns around and starts a little yapping mm-hmm. with his former uh, colleague with his former teammate Victor Caratini. It was it was a fun game. The the bad news is if you're a baseball fan, Fernando Tatis left that game with an oblique. And I don't know what the likelihood is him spending some time on the injured list. I hope it's not a long time. Right. He's so much fun to watch. What we did talk about yesterday was Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals who I ended up, that's how I finished my my Memorial Day weekend sports-wise, watching the Cardinals and the Dodgers. And he swung at a pitch, I want to say was it the fifth or whatever it was, middle of the game, and Trent, the pain, the look of pain on his face, you could tell, this is not good. And again, the National League pitchers batting, and that's going to come into play, but he was having such a great year. Does this, and we'll maybe get Brian Walton tomorrow, does this speed up the process of picking up the phone and calling the Nationals and mm. saying, you know, you guys aren't doing any good. Right. You're going to have, you're not signing Max Scherzer 36 years old. You want to talk? Let's bring him home. What? Don't you think? I mean, yeah. do, you, do you pick up the phone if you're Mazaloc and do it sooner rather than later? Because this is going to be one of the biggest names that in all likelihood is going to move at the trade deadline. The Nationals are not going anywhere. But they're only six games back. And that division is bad. That's true. Wild card remember, makes it different. When was the white? Men were the White Sox. When did they wave, wave the flag a few years ago and then kind of crawled back into Oh, yeah, yeah. And I thought, like everybody did, Boy, it seems awful early. Mm-hmm. They also had the year where they were in second place, just like a game out. And this is back, I think, in like maybe the late 90s with Robin Ventura and that group. Uh-huh. And they sold pieces. Yeah. And they were pissed. And they played really well afterwards. Ultimately, in September, they fell off. But mm-hmm. those kind of things happen. If you're the Nationals, all right, you're, 
you could say the reigning champions because last year yeah. was a fake season. Some people would say that. I don't, but right. So you have that part of it, mm-hmm. and this is the last run with this group. Now Strasburg got hurt last yep. night again. Yep. I know it's a shock. Sorry. <laughs> I hope you hope you're sitting down for this. Yeah, Steven Strasburg. He got hurt again. If that turns out, maybe it's something as simple as that. They get that MRI. This is long term. Mm-hmm. All right, now we have to look at it right. because usually there's a much bigger premium right now, as opposed to July 20th when you start oh, making sure. these phone calls. When you're forced to make moves, right? You get an extra six weeks uh-huh. of Max Scherzer. That's this huge. Year. And in a division that looks like not only is it going to be nip and tuck with three teams, mm-hmm. but so much in baseball you usually have that safety net of. If we don't win the division, we'll have the wild card. All right, not this year. If the Giants keep going this, because the Dodgers and Padres aren't going anywhere. Then they're both coming. The Both wild cards are coming out of the West. If the Giants just keep up at this race, and with the Rockies and D-backs in that division, they very well could just do what yeah. you're supposed to against those teams. Right. There is no safety net. It is division or bust. Mm-hmm. I agree. Games all. I think you're on to something here. I think because of that injury... Because of where the Nationals are, though, they could uh-huh. look at it. Well, they're looking up at everybody, but to your point, it's not like... I mean, they're only a game behind the Marlins. They're, what, two behind the Phillies? Mm-hmm. The Braves look like they're... Lo- the Mets lead the way, but Trent, look, take a closer look at the, where the Mets are. They've got a boatload of doubleheaders coming up because they missed... Look at all, Remember all the games they missed at the mm-hmm. beginning of the season? Absolutely. going to have to make them up at some point. i got a question for you. This is... The oddity, one of the oddities of baseball that I like, Patrick Wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> he will be thirty years old mm-hmm. in August. Mm-hmm. He is a career minor leaguer. Did you see the home run he hit last night? I did. Oh my god! And you see this guy. Yeah. Now, the first thing I did when I found out about him, BaseballReference.com, and you see his first season with the Cardinals four years ago, and his numbers were really good. Yeah. And then I started taking a look at his minor league numbers. Thirty-one now, home runs twice. He's got pop. Yes. I don't know what kind of defender he is. I would guess that's probably a negative. I, well, again, that's just a guess. I, you know, since, since he's been up with them, um, I haven't noticed. Uh, I, there, there's nothing that, that pops in. Oh, my God, this guy can't play a lick. It's not Kyle Schwarber's <laughs> right. first time in left field. Yeah. Right. There, it's not that. Yep. I would guess, though, maybe he doesn't have great range, whatever it is. There's got to be some knocks against him. Uh, the Wilson Alvarez trade was the White Sox flag. Wilson Alvarez. Thank you very much, Glenn. 149 strikeouts in uh, 2017. All right, so he strikes. But guess what? That's baseball today. Yeah. How does a guy like this not get a, a real first shot? first round pick. Right, that's the other the thing. the Cardinals in 2013. This isn't just a hanger on. No. A guy that's happy to play the game and maybe mm-hmm. he's got a family, he's got financial backing yeah. that it's okay and he can just be a career minor Well, leader. I don't know what it is. Stewart? Was it Monday or Sunday? <laughs> Monday. Monday, Monday yes, right? Yeah. Another first round pick. Mm-hmm. This guy was fourth overall. I think uh, Wisdom was what he was. He was late first round. Whatever. Um, it was a supplemental pick. It was fifty second overall. Okay, so, yeah. so kind of a first round, but right. kind of not supplemental. Still, he's a top sixty Absolutely. pick. Yeah. Um, and got paid like he was a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, these guys are coming over there. We keep harping on it. These Cubs that you're thinking, what the hell are they doing? This is their answer for 2021. Eric Sogard. I mean, there, there's so many of these guys on this roster, the the bullpen. And look where they are. Mm-hmm. It's a fun team to watch. Now, Rizzo, he got picked, picked off, off. his base. That was, that was bad. 
Um, but I guess I it's admit that. I saw, the, I saw the highlight oh, right as we were coming out today. It wasn't even close. No, not at all. Wasn't even close. Chris Bryant playing like an MVP. Versatility plus, plus, plus. Craig Kimbrell is going to be the Rolaids reliever of the year. Trent, he's. He's that's unhittable. Still the... He's unhittable. I don't know if it is or not. He I mean, it was, it was a big deal. Remember that? It was yes, a big deal. Yes. I think Raleigh Fingers might have been one of the first yeah. Rolaids man of the... That was a big deal. I forgot about the Rolaids connection to it. <laughs> um, but Kimbrel. Kimbrel's unhittable and has been... this. Now, Cappy reminds us, I'll go back to last September, and I'd forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. But this guy is... He's out of his mind right now. Well, and I remember us having the conversation two, three weeks into the season about Kimbrell, and it was, boy, I hope he can just keep this up till May, and then they can trade him. Yeah. And, and just don't, do, yeah. just keep doing this. Fool some teams into thinking yes. he's good again. Yeah. Right. That, that was a real, co- I was mm-hmm. not joking. I was not being facetious. I was real when I was saying that. Yeah. Just keep it up for a month, and maybe you can sell him off because I had no hope oh. for this team. So where does the credit go? Well, Ross has to get some of it. A pretty big chunk. Yeah, I think. It feels like he's always pushing the right mm-hmm. buttons right now. Yep. That wasn't always the case last year. No. But right now he is. But that was his first go around and yeah. kind of, you know, difficult. Well, for everybody, but especially when it's your first gig. I, yeah, him. I, I, I mean, who else would it be? The front office? Mm, I guess. I mean, they brought they, in those low-priced guys they and they're did. paying off. And they have. Uh-huh. In a normally, look, as a Twins fan, I know about these low-leverage situations. You come in and they right. usually stink. Yep. They're just awful. That's not been the Mm-mm. case here. So the front office, the first year without Theo there, yeah. Jed Hoyer, right. tip of the ball cap. Right. Yeah, it's a good. It doesn't tarnish Theo's legacy one little bit. And I'm sure that that'll be out there. Just like but, the way that yeah, right. the Red Sox ended. Okay, yeah, it's going to be all right. He's mm-hmm. still going to be remembered He's as a Hall guy. of Famer for what he did yes. for those two Fran- Marvin franchises, ending those two incredibly long streaks. And we joked about it at the time. And I'm sure that it, if you're a fan of a team that sucks. For your lifetime, you're hoping that even if he's like, I want him to take over the Winnipeg Jets, right? <laughs> yeah, right because yeah. he's magic. Yes, he knows. Right, whatever he does. Go across town. Go to Soldier Field. There Help out go. the Bears. There you go. <laughs> you like Chicago? You yes. won't have to move. Right. I don't care if you don't know anything about football. You'll figure we it out. We got a spot for you. Tommy uh, Hadovy. Tommy Hadovy. Maybe this is a long list because this is not just going out and spending money. This is not the Dodgers. The Dodgers do some things very well. Mm-hmm. The Yankees do things very well. This is but they different. can afford to make those and have right. repeatedly. Yes. Look, the Cubs have made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. I don't think Jason Hayward was a great signing by any means, but look what he's done for the clubhouse. And they, you know, you keep going, you ask anybody about Game 7 in 2016, uh, that speech that he gave during the rain delays of the reason that they won. I don't know if it is or not, but people believe it. So that's one of your leaders. You know, speaking of leaders, let's let's believe the Cubs. What, what's what's LeBron James doing leaving the sidelines? I mean, his team is crushed. I get that. Yeah, but you're the leader of this team. You're the. This is your team, right? You're the face of this franchise. And I don't want to hear about that. Ah, he's got to get ready for Game Six. Got a bad ankle. It's five minutes. An extra five minutes of treatment's not going to do a damn thing in 48 hours. That's your team. What a terrible look walking out on them. I don't care. I mean, there's LeBron's got a ton of fans. And I consider myself, 
I don't hate him. I love watching him. Play. I love watching him. Yeah. Now I'm a Michael guy, mm-hmm. and always will be. Yes, I am right there with you. Uh, and I and, and Brinson's a Wilt guy, <laughs> right. and he would never. I mean, that's his guy, and that's going to be his guy forever, right? But LeBron, what did you think? It wasn't surprising to me, first of all, and and Which, that's the part because there's some guys it would be surprising to see that happen. Yeah, he's different. And this is leaving well, who aside. Who walked out the off the floor of, on the Pistons when when the Bulls were finally able to get past the Pistons? All of them. Was it all of them? All of them. I think maybe it was like Dumars was the only one that was there, but Isaiah left, Rodman left, mm-hmm. Mahorn left, mm-hmm. Lambeer. Lambeer left, I think. Yeah, and he probably would have punched somebody if he didn't leave. Probably a good thing he left. Right. <laughs> Vinnie Johnson left. I, I think there might have been one or two guys that hung up, but everybody else walked off the floor. Right. It wasn't that. Congratulations. And that was a big deal. Now, it would have been a bigger deal in today's environment because yeah. of social media. But Look, that- I'm not saying LeBron has to hug the Suns at the end of the game, doesn't have to pat them on the back. Because they don't do that in the playoffs. until right. Or do, it, do any, yeah, yeah, do any, you know, um, acknowledging that, hey, nice game, we'll yeah. see. And we'll see. That's just a bad look. It's just a bad look. The way that he, I will take the other side, and not because I'm a supporter of him because i agree with you on the surface absolutely mm-hmm. it's a bad look if Taylor horton tucker walks off no hey, nobody's gonna notice right yeah <laughs> and, and maybe that's part of it because we all noticed yes it's lebron and he does things a different way and the yeah. way that he has motivated teammates the way that he has taken some ragtag groups to the finals mm-hmm. even beating that behemoth of a warriors team he deserves so much credit for that but one thing you'll hear from his teammates is you know it's his team, and he knows how to pick guys up, and he knows how to motivate maybe as well as anybody in the NBA role. MJ, Michael Jordan had one thing, is to be mean. I mean, that that's right. all that he had. Yeah. He had one gear. LeBron has a lot more gears mm-hmm. to him, and this is one that I think he's going to show. And that was the thing that I was absolutely astonished by last night. Watching the first two minutes of the game, I told you, I love the Lakers plus five and a half. I mean, good thing I didn't do the points bet where you, because I would have lost a lot of money on that one. (laughs) He's out there engaged. He looked quick. Early. He looked like LeBron. We don't have AD, but I'm going to put this Mm -hmm. team on my back and will them to victory. And then a 24 to one run. Yeah. And it went completely the other way. But because of his motivational tactics that he used with his teammates, I think there's a method to the madness. And here's the other thing. What are we talking about today? Not that pitiful performance. No, that's true. Not that's Dennis true. Schroeder being Not the fact that they hideous. got beat by 30. We're talking about yeah. LeBron. Yeah. So because of that, well, okay. we're playing checkers. He's playing 3D chess. Yeah. Maybe. You, you can have that. Look, I think of Jonathan Taves. You know, He's the captain of the Blackhawks, right? Win or lose, Jonathan Taves, the last guy off the ice. He's mm-hmm. the last black guy off the ice. He gets to the uh, he gets to the bench. He stands by the he stands by the door, the gate, and he pats his teammates on the back as they're as they're walking off the ice, stepping off the ice and into the dressing room. That's a leader to me. This that's his team. Go down with your ship, good and bad. If to it was point, a point, cl- is it a distraction? Were uh, we talking about this instead of how bad this? I never thought of it that way. And you know the national shows, what they're going to be doing. The, well, we're talking about it. Imagine right. what the national shows right. are. Right, and what, what that, that is going to be the whole conversation. Yeah. It's not going to be the performance. Right. It's going to be this one act walking. The one thing with LeBron that really bothered me, more than the decision, was as he was getting ready, his final game in Cleveland, as they're getting beat by the Celtics in that one, 
how disengaged he seemed. Mm. It felt like he didn't care. That was, a, I thought... He's already checked out. Yes, yeah. as bad of... It's not going well. Don't remember to, to, the, um, if, to the extent you do. If this happens in Game 6, and they're getting beat again, uh-huh. and their season's coming to a close, and he does the same kind of thing, well, I hope then absolutely. Right, because you you don't need ice to, for the summer. Right? <laughs> right. You, you can have plenty of ice right. at that time. Oh, my gosh. All right, let's get Jeff in here. It's 1020 with Miller and Condon. Uh, bottom of the hour, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. David Kaplan, looking forward to catching up with Cappy. We will do so at 11.05. The Bears have started there. Is it, are we OTAing or mini-camping? What, where, what box are we checking as far as the NFL offseason? Well, they're together and they're practicing. And That's they're right, so without yes. pads. Jeff, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Uh, first thing, so back in the 80s, um, Jordan lost to the Pistons twice. And in the doc, you know, it'll show Jordan shaking hands both times, taking his medicine. And then when they win, that's when, you know, Detroit walked off mm-hmm. uh, the court. So, you know, and, and again with LeBron, I'm not surprised. You know, you guys kind of talked about some players, you know, like a Tim Duncan, David Robinson, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Dwayne Wade. I don't see any of those guys. Kobe Bryant, none of those guys are walking off the court with five minutes to go and you know, kind of shame on you, Trent. Like, here's the deal. You know, you have kids. I have kids. I coach, mm-hmm. right? And you know, kids are watching these games. There you, know, you go. Good. Point. Are going to are going to do these things. Example, like Steph Curry changing the game with threes. Every eight year old is chucking up twenty two footers yes. like they can hit threes all the time. Now you're going to have kids in AAU, right? With five minutes to go, taking off their shoes like Dennis Rodman. And walking off like it's okay. It's not okay. That's and and again, as a coach and as a youth, you know, teaching kids, it's about sportsmanship. It's about teamwork, right? Those are the two big staples. And now you're going to have kids walk off or not shake hands or take their ball and go home. Or here's another example: the game before, Dennis Schroeder misses a, a layup, and LeBron just stares him down like it's. <laughs> the end of the world like his teammate just missed a layup what does that look like trent yeah that looks terrible well as right? a coach did jeff, schroeder score last night he didn't he, well he was 0 for 9 for the field jesus as a coach jeff you need to teach those kids that and i'll tell you what i don't have lebron in my family you don't have lebron in your family you're not going to coach lebron james it is a completely right. different level your job as a coach is to show those kids yes lebron james can do that you Playing B-level basketball here in the fifth grade level, you cannot do that. You need to be a good teammate. You need to be a good person. As a coach, that's your job, Jeff. Don't let them become LeBron. Do that as a coach. I understand that, but you know more than anybody that these kids, girls and boys, look at these players yeah. like they're, that's their idol. Mm-hmm. It's not mom and dad. It's not whoever. It's LeBron James. It's his commercials. It's the way he acts. It's the way he, he carries himself. But, you know, it. It's just it's too bad because everybody puts LeBron at this at this big pedestal and um you know he's a great player don't get me wrong we've talked about him and Michael but it's just too bad that that's the way it goes and he's getting a little bit older and and that might be an excuse but here's the deal he loves to be general manager this is his team he handpicked if you don't think he was sitting with Jeannie Buss trying to get the roster that he wanted we're all lying to ourselves mm-hmm. so this I mean he's got a he's got to lay in this bed but real quick before I let you go no, we let you go. <laughs> hold, on, hold on one second. Right, hold on one ahead. second. D- Dane Lillard last night, guys. I know. Yeah. Oh, it was I know, great. Uh, Ken, yeah. you were in bed, yeah. I'm assuming. But he, did, he just didn't hit one step, uh, side step three. He had another shot to get the double overtime 
with 50-some points. And, you know, when is it a, when is it a time where, you know, they got C.J.? Um, when, did, when can they get one more big piece mm, they need. to go to Portland? Because here's Dane. Dane's been there his whole yep. career. He said it in the, in the press. I don't want to go nowhere. This is my city. I love that. I get goosebumps talking about it. They need one more big piece. Because that's where the NBA is going. It's all these, you know, big three super teams. Got to have yep. a big three. Yeah. So who would? Why would you not want to play with Dane? I mean, it, it, it's fantastic to watch, guys. It is. Thanks for the call, Thanks, Jeff. Jeff. Appreciate and it. Watching that last night, it was an individual performance that I'll remember for a very long time. It is Michael Jordan sixty-three in the Boston Garden. It was that kind of performance, even in a losing effort. It was that good. But why doesn't anybody want to go play with him? Well, it's Portland, right? It and has a lot to do with it. I unfortunately, think. that's so, yeah, where we are in today's it's, it's NBA. A, it's a one. It's a. It's a one pro sport town. Yeah, New York, right? Yeah, even Brooklyn, right? Yeah. We're we're gonna make that work. Yeah. Miami, sure. L. A. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Portland. Have you been to Portland? I don't. Uh, one of my roommates from college lives there. Has lived yeah. there since college and loves it. And yeah. My son was there years. this weekend for. That's where we spent Memorial Day weekend. at blast. Yeah, it said absolutely loves yeah. it. Not going anywhere the rest of his life. He grew up in Iowa City. <laughs> went to Iowa. Yeah. And will live in Portland the rest of his life. Great place, but apparently not a great place to build Be a in today's athlete in NBA. In today's yeah. NBA, it's different. David Lillard is not selfish. He is not a me first guy. Just look at the shot chart. I mean, he should have been shooting fifty times, not twenty six. Yeah. He should have had the ball in his hands yeah. even more than he did. <laughs> he is that good, and he's unselfish, and he'd be fun. You would think to play with, but I think ultimately it's Portland. Mm-hmm. It's. What did, uh, Draft and develop. That's what you've got to do. What was it that they uh, called Sacramento a one-horse town back in the day with the Kings and yeah. Chris Weber and company? It's kind of that. Yeah, and and that's how these NBA guys, unfortunately, look at it. I've enjoyed these playoffs so much. I enjoyed that performance so much. And I, I wonder, LeBron, how Game 6 is going to go now. I was subscribing to the zigzag theory, how they're going to bounce back. I I just don't have I a good feeling. Phoenix is a better team. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. But remember Chris Paul after Game Three it yeah, looked like he was done. Right. Like, there's no yep. way he was going to be able to come mm-hmm. back. That part of it is absolutely crazy. Fun night last night, and really enjoyed watching the hoops. Uh, we will uh, talk to Bill Bender when we come back on the other side. Look forward to catching up with Bill Bender, the College Football Hall of Fame nominees. Boy, what a list! It just it just blows your mind, right? You go back in time, some of these guys. How good they were at, uh, at at the college level, and a lot of them turned out to be tremendous at the uh, at the next level. A lot uh, we'll do that. We'll do a lot of stuff with Bill Bender. Catch he's a Packer fan. Um, the latest on Brett Favre on Aaron Rodgers. We will pick his brain on that as well. We're with you until noon. David Kaplan at eleven oh five. Big Twelve conversation with our buddy Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports. At 11.30, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 101.0. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Condon, welcome back. Just past 10.30 on a Wednesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Let's catch up with our friend Bill Bender, shall we? Won't be too long at all when we're talking with Bill Bender each and every Wednesday as we do during the college football season. Bill, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Does it feel like it's getting closer to you, Bill? 
Oh, I've got to push the button. That'll help. Uh, there you go. Does it feel like we're approaching college football season, Bill, or still a long way to go? No. I mean, yes and no. I mean, Memorial Day through July 4th, we get to talk about it a lot. You know, our post top 25s out there, we'll have bold projections and working on top 25 quarterbacks now. So, obviously, all of that stuff is coming and coming quick, and we're looking forward to it. So, I think it'll be a lot of fun to see. Um, and, obviously, um, it's coming. But I think after July 4th, once it gets into camp and we're continuing to see st- stadiums say they're going to be full. Yep. I think the excitement will be off the chart. No doubt. They're going to be full. Both of the ones here in Iowa will be full. Uh, Kinnick and Jack Trice. Uh, in fact, uh, Iowa State's already sold, what, 47,000 season tickets, I think. Uh, Bill, a lot of ground to cover with you. Well, let, let's start away from college football. We'll get to that in a second. But just, um, you know, the Green Bay Packers, we know you're a fan uh, of, of the Packers uh, and of Aaron Rodgers, uh, and who wouldn't be. Um, what, what, I'm starting to think it's less and less likely that the Packers blink. Where are you? I don't think they're going to trade him. I think they would have done it by now. I mean, today would have been a good today to do it. June 2nd, they had a month to like work that out. I think they're going to try to work things out with him and get at least one more year. Now, next year, right. maybe they trade him because they've got a few season to figure it out. But, I, you know, I've said all along and thought it might be a last-dance feel to it. And if he really is serious about winning a Super Bowl, the Packers roster is one of the best rosters in the league. So this whole notion that he doesn't have help, I mean, they'll have one of the best offenses. The the other question is, can they financially make it doable to go get Julio Jones? I don't think they can, but it would be interesting if that's the big play they try to make. And where are we hearing him? Seattle? Mm-hmm. Tennessee? Are the two most New late, England? New England's on that list. Do you, any any other teams, Bill, that you're hearing for Julio? Who I think this is going to. I mean, I think we're going to know relatively quick on him. Yeah, I think he'll get traded before anything happens with Aaron Rodgers. Right. I think that seemed the tea leaves are out there on that one. I mean, from the Shannon Sharp interview to everything else that's mm-hmm. happened, it's pretty apparent he's going to get traded. Now, Tennessee's a good fit. I mean, you put Tennessee, you give Tannehill. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, that's two really good pass catchers in that uh, offense that was already pretty good with Derrick Henry. How about Seattle with D.K. Metcalf? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the and most accurate deep ball thrower in the game in Russell Wilson. Yikes. Go. A long way. So, Bill, your view of Brian Gutekunst, a guy that takes over for a couple legends. You go back to Ron Wolf and leading into Ted Thompson. Pretty big fill, shoes to fill. From my outside perspective, I think a pretty good job, but I'm not as close as you are. Your thought on the Packers GM, how he's done to this point? He's done fine. I mean, they had a good draft, and it just got all sideswiped by the Aaron Rodgers drama. They they made the right picks. Um, they've never been flashing for the agency. Uh, I know, as a Packers fan, it's, it's kind of ironic because they've made the first big free agency signing ever when they got Reggie. And then ever since, I mean, there's been a couple, like a Julius Peppers or a Charles Woodson, but I'd say Woodson would be the other big one they made. And I think that's the frustration that the Packers fan is when you know they're one or two pieces away, why wouldn't they just go get that? You know, why wouldn't they go get that one guy that might make a difference? But you know, last year it still comes down to the fact that on the field they had multiple chances to win the game and they didn't do it. I don't think it was a roster thing or this thing. It was coaching decisions and poor play in the big spot. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Bill, uh, your piece, uh, and Trent and I uh, picked up on this, 
talking about the the five teams five teams a best bet to crash the college football playoff for the first time and you came up with Texas A&M North Carolina, USC, Cincinnati, that's where Condon is, and Iowa State. That's a pretty good uh, list of five teams that legitimately, I mean, obviously, as it happens all the year, every year, right? Uh, Everything has to fall into place. I went North Carolina, Trent went Cincinnati, but uh, certainly Texas A&M, Iowa State, and USC, the other three teams that you mentioned, certainly have a good chance, I think. I mean, somebody's going to win the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one there, and USC hasn't been to the playoff yet, but I still think Oregon's going to beat them. And that's a tough pick because you still got to go through Alabama and all those ranked SEC West teams. Um, North Carolina is interesting to me. They've got the quarterback, they've got, but they lost a lot of skill position guys. So to me, if I was just picking the one of those five that I would bet on, it, it'd either be Cincinnati or Iowa State. And I think Cincinnati just because. They go undefeated and somehow beat Notre Dame and Indiana. They'd have to seriously be considered mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'd be basically be the independent team that Notre Dame is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Iowa State, obviously, they've proven they can reach the Big 12 championship. <laughs> the highest preseason ranking ever. And if they can, it's just about, can they split that Oklahoma series or can they beat Oklahoma twice? take care of Iowa and, and the other schools that they need to in the meantime. That's a tough ask, but I like their culture. I like their program. Kind of a goofy question and something well that we can talk about in June, but not during the season. So I was looking at the Thursday night schedule that ESPN's come out with, and it's not the same when you know, NC State played Florida State in a big game. ACC had a lot of those games. Those have dwindled, but there's been a ton of Sunbelt games. After what we saw last year, Louisiana Lafayette beating Iowa State. Coastal Carolina and that win against BYU. Appalachian State has been a very good program Don't since they moved up. forget the win about up. Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> just on and on and on, though. This conference, it's pretty good. It's not going to get into the top tier or anything like that, but could it get itself in the conversation with the American Athletic Conference? Be up there when you talk about after the mm. top-level Power 5 conferences, you know who's really good? Teams coming out of the Sun Belt. Can they get there? Two programs to watch are Coastal Carolina, build off what they did last year with Grayson McCall back at quarterback. And App State is about as steady a program yeah. as you can have. I mean, I know they're known for the big upset against Michigan. They probably should be known for every time they get to a bowl game, they win it. Mm-hmm. And they've had this quick transition to Sunbelt Powerhouse in the FBS, and I look for that to continue. So, And then you could even take a school like Arkansas State. They've got one of the better quarterbacks in the country in Lane Hatcher, who had a really good year last year. So... And then Louisiana. So they've got four really good programs there. And if that continues, yeah, there was a weekend, I believe, where three of those teams were ranked and playing in big games. And, you know, out of the group of five conferences, there's no question that that conference, from a football standpoint, because it's in the South, they take it seriously down there, could emerge as, right now, it's probably the, yeah, it's probably the second best over the Mountain West. Out of the group of five. It's probably pretty close between those two, too. And then I'd put the Mac and the Conference USA a little bit behind. Bill, is there a a coach from a big-name program? You can define big-name however you want, but that's on a hot seat that is – I mean, obviously Harbaugh is the first name that I think a lot of people comes into their mind. But is there someone else like him – that uh, boy, he's better. Scott Frost in Nebraska. I mean, how long is the are Husker fans going to be patient with what's going on over there? Who else fits that bill? I think Chip Kelly at UCLA. Mm, I mean, yeah. kind of thought I thought when he was hired, okay, that's a home run. His system works. 
He'll be able to recruit well. Um, you know, UCLA's just kind of been invisible as a program on the big stage, and that's one that when we remember we were talking about those Super Leagues a month ago, like UCLA isn't even close to that conversation. So I think he's a name to watch. Frost, and Frost isn't going anywhere, but, I mean, the, the angst could build if they have another rough year, and Harbaugh, obviously, he'll be the number one, number two, number three coach people are watching in, in terms of this situation. And then in the SEC, it's whoever's losing, basically. And they have a short leash. They've got a lot of new coaches in that league that have only been in it for three years or less. But it's that saving factor where he makes you rethink your program and hurt. I want to take you to an article I read yesterday from Pete Thamel over at Yahoo and talking about college football recruiting opening. What's happening, though, with all these guys getting extra years? And we talk a lot about unintended consequences. You do something, it's going to end up hurting somebody else. Well, it's happening right now at the high school level because scholarship limits are still 85. And you got guys coming back for extra years. That means kids at the high school level are not getting scholarships. And that trickle down is impacting. And we're seeing that happen at a big level. Your thoughts, I don't know if you had a chance to see the piece yet here, but those unintended consequences seems like it always happens. And right now it's hurting the high school kids trying to get that college scholarship. Well, I mean, it's, this is the COVID impact, too. I mean, a lot of high school kids didn't play last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now you got to look at it from a roster management standpoint. It makes it difficult. I know, you know, just kind of looking at some rosters, you, you forget, oh, yeah, that guy decided to come back for an extra senior year. And it's kind of cool in that way for some of the student athletes, but at the same time, it's going to can cause some crunches and those kind of things. And, um you just hope these kids get enough opportunities. I thought one way to do it would, would have maybe been to do a short-term, expand the roster a little bit. But, yep. you know, the NCAA is pretty rigid on those kind of things. Uh, Bill, uh, college football has put out their nominees for uh, this year's Hall- College Football Hall of Fame class. One name that, I mean, there's a lot of great names, obviously, on the list, right? Andrew Luck is going to get in. Reggie Bush appears for the first time on the ballot. We know he won the Heisman, at least we thought we saw him on the stage with the Heisman, but then he had to give it back <laughs> for, for what happened with his family and the extra benefits. Um, still, one of the greatest running backs to ever play college football. Will, will that be held against his Hall of Fame candidacy, do you think? Should it be? Will it be? Will Reggie Bush get inducted into college football's Hall of Fame? I think he will. I mean, I think it's less rigid than baseball, for example. Um, the College Football Hall of Fame has some weird requirements sometimes, though. It's like guys like Anthony Munoz aren't in for some reason. Uh, you know, because of the All-American status and those kind of things. But Reggie Bush, obviously, for what he did on the field, deserves to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. He's one of the most electric players I've ever seen. Yep. Most exciting players in the last in this century, no doubt. And I know when we made those running back list, uh, he's right there with all those other USC greats at the position. So he certainly belongs in there. He does. It's always fun to go through there, and I just like the memories of some yeah, of those guys. Right? And even if they're not Hall of Famers, just you know, thinking those moments and some of the guys that are under the radar and flying through, it's awesome to see. Bill, Ohio. Sports wagering, not legal yet, but have you at least taken a look at the over-unders, the conference champions, the odds that are out there? I'm sure that you're looking at it. And maybe secondly, Ohio, are you guys getting close to getting sports wagering out there? Well, we're hoping. I mean, down the road, I think it makes sense because the passion for this sports in this state is every bit as Iowa and Indiana. And mm-hmm. I think somebody told me that every state that touches us here in Ohio has it, and we don't. So it's uh, made that tough, but... 
obviously yeah, I've been peeking a little bit at the overs and unders and, and seeing what might be out there. And some of them are hard. You know, it's hard to bet that Alabama's just going to go twelve and zero. I mean, right. all it takes is one loss to lose that bet. Yeah. So, you know, but out of those, it's hard to. It's also hard to find a conference champion to bet on that isn't chalk. Right. So. We'll take a closer look at those in the coming weeks and get some overs under over unders out of sporting news for sure. Good stuff, Bill Bender. What are you working on for the rest of this week? Anything you want to promote that's going to uh, hit here in the next couple of days? We'll get our top twenty-five quarterbacks out soon. But I got sidetracked today because I'm looking at LeBron James in Game Six, and uh, he. I tell, I'll tell your listeners now: he's six and four in Game Six. We're facing elimination. And there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that game tomorrow night for those that really enjoy LeBron James and those that really don't i'm a fan i wasn't a fan of him leaving the floor and leaving his team uh, when they were going down to defeat by 30 last night but maybe he wanted to deflect and have everybody talking about him walking off the floor i I just didn't like the look bill bender what about you well i mean no obviously not but i mean this is going to be one of those defining games for him it's not I don't think it's going to define his legacy by any means but it's one i think this next one's going to be one that people point to if they get eliminated then you know, they'll be the haters will come out. Mm-hmm. But if they win, and as I noted, in their last 12 game sixes with LeBron James, they've won 11 of those 12. Mm-hmm. And they've gone on to win 11 of those 12 series. So that's something to keep in mind that, that I don't think the Lakers are dead quite yet. Good stuff, Bill Bender. We will uh, talk to you down the road. Thank you. Sportingnews.com for Bill and the entire crew at Sporting News. Terrific publication. We appreciate him coming on. Um, I got something for you. What have you got? So this uh, popped up on the screen, NBA TV last night. Uh huh. I want to get your thoughts. A series in the NBA tied two two. As we know, last night the Nuggets won the game, game five. Of the teams that win, game five in a series that goes into a two two, how many go on to win that series? What percent? Sixty five. You got to go higher. It's 77. It's higher than that. It's 81. It's 82% of the time. Here it is. Teams that win game five of a 2-2 best of seven series win the series 82.5% of the time. 174 and 37. I was shocked that it was that big. Yes, you only have to win one of the next two. Right. But 82.5%? That's a lot. That's a huge number. And, of course, where does my mind go right away? wonder what it is in the NHL. And so I scoured the Internet for like a half hour last night. Couldn't find couldn't the number. Couldn't find a thing. Oh, I was so frustrated. Yelling at my phone, yelling at the TV. Why did you give me this stupid number? 82.5% though. That was a definer for the Nuggets. You think they're in good shape? Now, this is different. Now we're looking at the Lakers on the brink. They have to come back and win too? I don't think they can. 17.5% chance, historically, says... No. All that they have. That's a good... I mean, what Bill just threw out there was remarkable. 11 out of 12, That that's pretty good, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. Uh, I just... I can't see it, Trent. I just... I think they're cooked. I think they're cooked. Davis? Yeah. He plays? It's another story. I just don't see it happening. We'll come back, finish up the hour. It's Miller and Condon. We're on 1460 KX and 0-1. To have Rush on your side. Hit well, out to left field, backing up, it is gone. Greta Dolan cuts the deficit in half. 
There's the play of the day. It's brought to you by CISN TV. Trent Condon, Ken Miller back with you. Big thanks to everybody. CISN TV bringing our play of the day to you a couple of times a week. That was Hunter Phillips on the call. Doubleheader split with Valley in Fort Dodge in softball. Coming up tonight, Valley Mason City High School Baseball, 5 o'clock. I'll be on the call for that one. 7 o'clock on the radio side. And then on Friday, CISN will have single game at 7 o'clock in high school baseball. A good one. Urbandale making their way over to Ankeny Centennial to take on the Jaguars. All season long, CISN TV for high school softball and baseball. Stuff Trent Condon, you will have, uh, like you just mentioned, a couple of games tonight. One on CISN and one you can hear right here at 7 o'clock on KXNO. We may have to move David Kaplan around a little bit. We're efforting that right yeah. now. Trying. He will uh, be here in hour number two. Not just uh, sure if he'll be able to start the second hour of the program. Boy, horse racing dodged a major, major bullet when Medina Spirit got beat in the Preakness. Uh, his split sample, remember this is the horse that won the Kentucky Derby yeah. and Bob Baffert's his trainer and he had a bad test and they send the test part of the test called a split sample to another lab mm-hmm. where it confirms what the first lab found and it was confirmed to be positive can you imagine if the triple crown was on the line this saturday <laughs> what would they do what would they do when belmont park would have sold over a hundred thousand tickets to see another triple crown winner only to have the dirt with it kept it quiet yes i think so too I mean, it would have come out, but not till after not till after this weekend, right? Don't you think? I think so. Yeah, and I mean, isn't the way? Shouldn't they do it that way? No, I don't know. I, I, yes, it's a little dirty. Yeah, I'll say. But you're thinking about the betterment of your sport. You're mm-hmm. trying to keep your head above water, right? And in a sport that's having trouble just doing that, right? And, uh, it's it's um, we, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Bob Baffert is just due to this guy's legacy. All Anyways, right. I got one for you on the local level. Something we didn't get in the first segment. Did you see that uh, five of the opponents for Iowa basketball are out for next year? No, I haven't. Where did when did that come out? Uh yesterday the Gazette had it. So of course we know that they will be playing Iowa State. Yeah, well, that taints the headline. Just a little bit, right? Because of their record last season. Because the headline is, well, just how terrible the record is of the teams that they're going to be facing. Let me uh, find it here as I bring it up. Last season, 31-80. and 80. That's the record? That the was the record, record? Of, of the five teams that are on there. Iowa State, okay, take that aside. But yeah. still... Give me, the other, give me the other four. Well, and that's the problem. And this is the problem I've always had with Fran. I understand college basketball scheduling. I would maintain... I know college basketball scheduling better than anybody on the radio in this state. I study it that closely. I get an argument from me. I I will beat my chest about this is the thing I know. And this is a thing that Fran McCaffrey screws up yearly. Everybody has by games, yes. But when you stack up the multitude that he does year after year, not one against Alcorn State, who's going to be 328th in the RPI now the net. Not one, not two, but he does it four or five times. And you look at the end of the year, and you look at non-conference strength of schedule, which is a composite of what you're doing as it pertains to the selection committee. And every year, doesn't matter if they have a year where they play like last year, Gonzaga and everybody else that they played North Carolina in the non-conference, it's still bad. Because when you play that many awful teams, not bad teams, the worst of the worst, it hurts your net ranking now, your RPI in the past, and he continually does it. I almost wonder if it's either Gary Barta saying, these buy games, we're going for the cheapest of the cheap. 
and those are the worst of the worst mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. We're going to because teams that stay out on the road throughout the month of November yes. and December. Because it doesn't matter if you bring in a decent South Dakota team who will not hurt your RPI, Nebraska, Omaha, who's okay, or Elkhorn State. It's not going to change how many people are going to come to the game. No. So instead of spending one hundred twenty-five thousand to bring them in, let's spend the seventy thousand and bring in Maryland Eastern Shore. I wonder if that and, might be a piece to it. And, and to back up your argument, this isn't just this year when everybody's right. watching their budgets. Right. This is going back when they were flush with cash. Yes. And this isn't also when he was building the program. You're just buying wins. Mm-hmm. You're, it doesn't matter. You're at a program's at a place now. And people think I was going to be a bubble team. I'm not among them, but there are people that are. This very well could be the difference. Your decision to go out there and have five of your buy games be the dregs of college basketball. That could be the difference between even sneaking into Dayton and playing an NIT game in Carver Hawkeye Arena. Is that where we're going to be with both of the schools just kind of sitting on the fence? They're talking about two teams that are, are bubble bound. They're okay, right? It's a lot of. We'll get to the second week in February, but if we if this this and this happen, yeah. then maybe you know if they go six and three here the rest of the way, then Shelby Mass Bracketologist, what do these two? T- I, I think that's the the kind of uh, fall slash winter we are headed. Drake for. and you and I going to hold the candle in our state. They're both going to be good, Trent. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I think the Valley's poised for uh, another season of mm-hmm. getting at least two teams in. Won't that be great? Uh, Miller and Condon back with our number two. Cappy's going to be a part of it. Just not sure when, but he's going to be here. Miller and Condon on fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six point three FM.